This episode of Behind the Bots is brought to you by Fingertech Robotics, North America's top manufacturer of combat robotics parts. If you're interested in building your first combat robot, check out Fingertech's Viper Kit, which includes everything you need to build a fully functional, competitive ant weight. Fingertech also carries a complete line of wheels, hubs, motors, and other components if you want to build a bot from the ground up. Check them out online at www.fingertechrobotics.com. From the line at our local polling station, this is Behind the Bots, the podcast that brings you the stories of the builders behind BattleBots. I'm Chris. I'm Luke. And I'm Kyle. And today on our very special birthday podcast, we're wishing Luke a happy birthday. (laughs) Hooray! Thank you very much. Thanks, thanks. Also, we'll be interviewing with Pain Train Captain Evan Arias and teammate Anthony D'Ambrosio. We'll wrap up the show this week with an installment of Robots Around the World. If you like our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Cashbox, Player FM, and Podbeam. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Behind the Bots, and tell a friend. We really appreciate your support. Time for this week's Combat Robotics News. I have six news items for you today. First up. Builders who shipped robots to this year's competition are getting their shipping crates back this week in various states of disrepair. Bale Spear Captain Earl Pancos III says the shipping company somehow managed to put a hole in his shipping crate, which was made out of steel, writing, quote, do they make AR-500 shipping crates? Asking for a friend. Kyle, uh, thoughts on uh, thoughts on this week's uh, shipping shipping crate uh, fiasco, I guess, for uh, for for some some of the teams. Yeah, um, I'm surprised we don't hear about this more. It's interesting. The, I wonder if it has to do with like limited people working shipping lanes or what the deal is. Um, but Earl did not have a, a weak looking crate there, and boy, it got pretty dinged up. Yeah, uh, you know, I I gotta imagine that these. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Like you, you've seen you've seen how people drive. Of forklifts and and how they how they're loading and unloading things from trucks. Like I am, I'm surprised that uh, that builders are getting getting shipping crates back, you know, fully intact. Um, I, I would say there's probably a better chance of getting back a pristine shipping crate if it's beautiful on the outside. You know, like if you kind of take the time, like Kraken does, to uh, to paint the entire box into like a piece of art. You know. Uh, with Earl, you know, he just shipped in kind of a basic steel box. So I'm sure they they thought they could uh, withstand more. I'm I'm assuming. That's interesting. So your advice in this situation would be to take more artistic license. Yeah, yeah, Earl. yeah. I I think you have a valid point there. Yeah, I I heard that Jonathan Schultz found Hughes' crate in a dumpster with about 3,500 ballots somewhere outside of New Haven. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I thought I, I heard about that too. Yeah, shipping irregularities. This week, the team behind the hard-hitting gas-powered horizontal bar spinner Ice Wave ended months of speculation by confirming that they will be competing on the 2020 season of BattleBots. The team posted a photo of their new bot, which is ditching its blue, yellow, and red color scheme in favor of a more subdued, 
dare I say, sinister looking black and yellow. On Facebook, the team says it upgraded the robot's motor this year with a crankcase machined out of billet aluminum and an electronic ignition system. The goal eventually is to build a completely custom engine in a future iteration of the bot. Kyle, this is uh, one of the most anticipated bots of, of the season. Uh, I know there was a lot of speculation about whether Icewave was going to come back. I would love to get your thoughts on um, on this new gas-powered monster that's uh, that's coming to the box. Um, so the rendering looks beautiful. The little bit of build photos and whatnot that we've seen looks really impressive. Um, Ice Wave is an interesting bot, right? It feels like a robot from a different era. You know, like it's got the the internal combustion engine, which was something people were kind of experimenting with until mo- electric motors got real good um, and batteries got real lightweight. It's got no self-writing mechanism, yet everybody knows how well this bot can be is built and how well it's driven. And the builders will tell you they're scared to go up against it every single year. Um, So I'm really excited to see what he's come up with. I'm assuming he's started sleeping again. His kid's old enough now. Um, So that'll probably help him make some good choices when it comes to assembling the bot. Um, But yeah, I don't understand these new parents finding the time to uh, make killer robots. You know, like... As a person with two young kids, man, that's like, that seems impossible, but he's pulling it off and I, I can't wait to see what they come up with. Now, I, um, I, I've i always been curious about the decision to go with an internal combustion engine, kind of a gasoline powered uh, robot. Are there... Uh, are, are there benefits, you know, to... Uh, there, to- there used to be, right? So back in the day, you could get more torque and you could get more output for for the weight with an internal combustion engine robot. Um, you know, to get the same amount of amperage into an electric robot or electric motor weapon, it would take a lot of batteries and thus a lot of weight back when they were using NICAD batteries and everything. Uh, but now that we're into lithium polymer batteries, batteries weigh, you know, a third, a quarter of what they used to weigh. It's not the same issue. So you can get uh, just as much power, if not more power, of an electric motor as you could out of an uh, internal combustion engine. And, you know, he's souped this thing up. Like, he's got basically jet fuel in this thing running it. Um, so he feels he gets more more power out of it, more torque out of it. Um, but, you know, that's I guess nobody's really put uh, put that to the test. And with the tip speed limitations, you know, there's there's not much to test there. You know what I mean? Like... As long as he can get it up to that 250 miles per hour, then that's as fast as he can go anyway. Um, I like it. I like the the look of it. I like the fact that he's experimenting with it and seeing what he can do with it. And I can't wait to see what a completely custom-built engine looks like, especially if it's built specifically for combat robotics. Like, that's going to be great. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I would love to talk to Mark about, um, about kind of the weight-to-power ratio um, and and whether there are, you know, uh, benefits of of going with a gas powered engine versus electric, um, or if it's just something that makes his bot unique, um, being the only gas powered um, robot in the field, um, and you know, because you you have to bring something that's that's unique. If I, I think if Ice Wave was electric, um, 
it would look very much like a blood sport or um, get compared to tombstone perhaps. And, um, you know, having, having, having a guest powered engine is obviously a, a differentiator for, for that robot. Yeah, we should definitely have Mark on. I would love to talk to him about this. I mean, that's just the consensus I've heard on Reddit, right? Like, yeah, it made sense back in the day. Now it's not, you know, now it's just a novelty. Maybe he feels differently and maybe he can explain to us why. I'd love to hear that. Speaking of Bloodsport, this week's must-watch video comes from the team behind Bloodsport, which shot an 11-minute preview of what to expect from the team this season. Teammate Seth Schaefer posted videos of Bloodsport's pit area, catered lunches from BattleBots, and new footage from the test box. The video also includes our first look at a new weapon called the Disc, a Valkyrie-esque disc made out of half-inch AR-500 steel with an effective diameter of three feet. On over to Wisconsin, where Team Wayachi is showing off new wedgelets on their hydraulic flipper bot Hydra. This season, the team is going with six wedgelets, which are packed close together and can move independently. That's a departure from the bot's design last season, where its front end was hard-mounted with a ground-scraping plow. Chris, thoughts on uh, Hydra's new design? Yeah, so I, I did watch their, their video, and it almost looks like there is 12 wedgelets Um is it maybe oh dear the, god yeah six on each side okay it is 12 that is correct <laughs> it's, really, it's really a unique design i mean the 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 six wedgelets on each side uh kind of all almost seamlessly kind of come together to create um almost like a like a pan uh which you know rather than you know losing um you know or having your entire your front pan like kind of bent up or or, uh, you know, having small wedgelets like maybe Bite Force has all kind of, you know, separated out across the across the front of your bot. Like this um, looks like you could probably lose a, a few along the way, but you don't lose, uh, you know, quite as much of the advantage of having them there in the first place. I love the look of Hydra this season. Uh, you know, last season it looked really sleek. It looked like a spaceship. This season it's just looking so beautiful um I, I like the shape of the wedgelets i kind of like the um the, the size of them um the the new flipping arm also looks really powerful and interesting um mm. i'm really really stoked to, to see this bot in action on over to two stories from the world of wearable merch hijinx captain jen herkenroder is adding new t-shirts hoodies mugs and more to her teespring page artifacts machina with designs that speak to our team's aesthetic and inside jokes, like the ever-popular Women Drivers No Survivors shirt, Zuko the Cats, and Salt-Powered Robotics. Meanwhile, the undisputed queen of merch, Bunny Sariel, this week began selling Malice-branded bomber jackets on the team's website for $80 each. And finally, we want to give a shout-out to Xavier, who built a fully functional cardboard replica of Valkyrie, complete with purple lights and spinning undercutter, which he wore around his neck as a Halloween costume this year. It looks awesome. Great work. If you want to share other BattleBots-related costumes you saw this year, send them to us on Facebook. And that's it for this week's news. After the break, our interview with Pain Train Captain Evan Arias. This week on the podcast, we have two very special guests, Pain Train Captain Evan Arias and teammate Anthony D'Ambrosio. 
Evan is a fellow New Yorker who went from Beetleweights to BattleBots in less than a year. Last September, he had just completed his first Beetleweight, a hard-hitting three-pound egg beater called Shredded Bro. He took Shredded Bro to every major combat robotics match on the East Coast, notably Norwalk Havoc, Mass Destruction, Sword, and Motorama, where he made quite the splash by beating combat robot Hall of Fame inductee Silent Spring, driven by Sable's Captain Jameson Go. This fall, BattleBots invited Evan to compete on the show. Within a month, he and his team had built Pain Train. Anthony is a fellow East Coast builder competing out of Boston with the Beetleweight Blackbird. Outside of combat robotics, Anthony is a paintball enthusiast working for Boston Paintball and running the online store Committed Paintball. For both Evan and Anthony, this was their first time at BattleBots. We're really looking forward to getting into all of these topics in the hour ahead. So welcome to the show, Evan and Anthony. Hey, hey. Hey, hey, Patreon. <laughs> I am so excited um, that we were able to get you on the show. Um, Evan, you are you are calling us from Florida, uh, where where you were there for a wedding. And so I really appreciate you uh, being able to squeeze us in. I know that uh, this is a super busy, busy weekend for you. So um, so I'm really stoked that we were we were able to find the time. Thank you. I'm just stoked to be here. Yeah. You know, uh, for, for us, like we love talking to East Coast builders. I feel like I have a, um, <laughs> I, I have like a, uh, uh, I, I want to talk to every single one of them because, you know, like I feel like we, we, we go to the same events, you know, um, I'm able to go and see Shredded Bro like compete in, in Norwalk um, and at Motorama and stuff like that. So that's really exciting. Um, and it, we have such a great community here in the Northeast. Um, so I'm I'm really happy to see a, another New York team uh, competing on BattleBots this year. I would uh, I'd love to start by like kind of learning more about you outside of combat robotics. And because I feel like uh, it's so awkward to ask people to introduce themselves, maybe you could introduce one another. So like um, Evan, can you tell us more about Anthony? Uh, maybe things that uh, that we don't know. And uh, then Anthony, can you uh, tell us some fun facts about Evan? Let me tell you, Anthony could hit the ground running. And I, I can't explain that any further. I've never met someone who could take things head on and just run with it. It's like if you saw this dude fight a bull, he'll bring the bull, the bull back to the pen to go to sleep. <laughs> I have a lot of faith and confidence in this guy. Honestly, he was a, one of the best assets to the team. Oh, well, thanks. <laughs> so um, Evan is amazing. Uh, number one, he's just the most inspiring person, the most motivated person I've probably ever met in my entire life. So. Um, just to invite me along on this journey, um, you know, I wanted to work as hard as possible to, to, to repay that favor, um, you know, to be able to go achieve our dream together. And, uh, you know, his vision and, you know, the way he can, he can kind of get a directive of what he wants and he knows how to achieve it. I, I mean, he makes you want to work a lot harder. Um, so, I mean, genuinely just one of the coolest people I've ever met and a guy that I'm, I'm happy and thankful to be able to call one of my lifelong friends now that we've been through this trial by fire of a, a one month journey to, to fight the greatest robots in the world. So that's so cool. Yeah. And it's, it's nice to see, uh, see a New Yorker and a Bostonian like uh, cooperating. Like that's a, uh, that's great. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I'd love to hear more about your lives outside of combat robotics. So Anthony, I know that you're big into paintball. Maybe we can start with you. Um, yeah. Paintball is super cool. You know, like kind of introduce us to your, your, your life, like outside of, of, of robots. Yeah, sure. So, um, I mean, I should probably start with the, the, the most important stuff, right? I, I have two kids, two young kids, my daughter, Aria, and uh, Luca. 
uh, Aria 6, Lucas 3, and my wife, Danielle, and we live uh, in Pittsburgh. It's a small town, uh, a little bit north of Boston, a little bit closer to New Hampshire. So um, I've been uh, in the paintball industry uh, for just about 20 years at this point, um, running uh, the Northeast's biggest uh, chain of fields and stores, Boston Paintball, and I run their online division, uh, Committed Paintball, and we develop um, paintball guns and custom products and, and things like that. So I've been doing that arm of things for nearly a decade at this point, and we kind of a worldwide reach. We ship our stuff all over the all over the world uh, and kind of cater to the highest end clientele. Um, when it comes to robots, though, uh, I've, I've I've been following. You know, I'm a very technical person, very mechanical person. Obviously, just my that's kind of my my profession uh, as well. So I, I dabble a little bit of graphic design on the side, but uh, the my main thing with robots is that I started watching when I was you know right in high school. I'd say you know 2000 2001 uh, when the Comedy Central stuff had aired. And it had been a huge passion for me uh, up until, um, you know, they had a little bit of a break in the middle there. Uh, and when they reintroduced it, um, I think it was ABC or NBC, whatever they had it on, um, it, it motivated me to, to build uh, a beetle weight, uh, which I've competed with for the past couple of years. Um, and now the rest is history. You know, I've met Evan um, and now we've taken it to the largest stage, but I'm, I'm happy to be able to have achieved my, you know, my dreams in, in paintball and in life, you know, obviously I have a great, a beautiful family um, and, you know, I have success in my my business and I'm able to now achieve other things outside of that. So, um, you know, that's that's pretty much me in a nutshell. How did I get into this nutshell? That's awesome. Before, before we move off of paintball, um, I recently learned an interesting fact about paintball and battle bots, right? Mm -hmm. um, the and 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 Kyle turned me on to this, so I, I can't I can't like you know take credit for this, but apparently Bronco Captain Xander Rose is a championship former champion uh yeah. player for from the Ironman, you know, uh the, the Los Angeles uh, the California Ironman, correct? That is a legendary, legendary paintball team uh that dominated the first 15 years of the 30 years of paintball. Um, yeah, he is a legendary name. I didn't have the pleasure of meeting him, um, unfortunately, when I was uh, at the event. Um, but there, there are uh, actually Bale Spear. Um, I, I talked to him, and his cousin actually plays on a pretty high end team too. Really? Um, yeah, as well. Yeah, so um, it's it's amazing. Not just that, but a lot of people in um, obviously in BattleBots that run some sort of a high pressure air system, whether it's uh, like Bale Spear has you know their their pneumatic spear. Or the flippers. Uh, most of those guys, you know, Sub Zero, uh, Bronco, they're they're using paintball air systems that they've adapted, uh, Beta. Um, and I talked to a lot of those guys about, uh, you know, maybe uh, helping them with systems in the future, maybe more efficient stuff, stuff that I do that could actually make their stuff better. Um, so it's it's a, it's kind of cool this fusion of uh, you know of of my both of my worlds kind of colliding. So. Yeah. That's really cool. Evan, I'd, I'd love to, to learn more about you. So like, uh, tell us, uh, tell us where you're from. Uh, what do you do? You know, kind of like life outside of combat robots, um, you know, swimming with sharks, surfing, kind of like, uh, all, all of that kind of fun stuff. I, I feel like, you know, as, as like a New Yorker, like, you know, uh, where, where in the city do you live? I feel like that's like a big question, you know, that we, we ask one another, tell us tell more about yourself. We got it. Uh, I'm Evan. I'm from Staten Island, New York, and uh, I have two lovely animals. No kids, but these two lovely pets. I have a turtle who's over 23 years old. His name is Squirtle. 
And I also have a puppy who is four months old. His name is Chewy. I'm a big Star Wars fan. Nice. And, uh, and I'm a construction manager in New York City. Uh, I mostly do electrical projects for New York City housing at NYPD, installing and overwatching cameras, uh, security doors, and security lighting. And outside of that, I actually, uh, when I met Anthony, the thing we had in common was paintball. At the time, I did play for a sponsored team that I no longer play for. And so that was, it was so easy to relate to him at that event that we met. And, um, and besides, outside of that, I mean, I love surfing and, uh, surfing actually reminds me of robotics yeah, in the sense that when you, you know, you go to surf, you try to catch a wave, you're not going to get every wave, but it's about your failures that make you proud because it, it's, well, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? I've never been so proud of my failures. And to me, it's like the same thing with robotics, even after losing my first tournament, you know, I got to learn what went wrong, what can I do, and how can I make myself better. So it's, to me, it's like surfing and robotics, they're hand in hand, really. Same energy, and at the end of the day, it's fun. You know, we win or lose, but you had a great time. Evan, you were you were telling us a really crazy story. Um, can you take us back to like July and August of 2019? Like, where were you? Uh, you know, like, how did you? Yeah. How did, how did you how did you get into combat robotics like from literally a year and a half ago to uh, to now? So uh, I, it was last summer. I was sitting at home and I finally flicked through the, the TV. I never watched TV at all. And as I'm scrolling through the channels, I see BattleBots, and my mind was blown because I haven't seen it since I was a kid. You know, it, it reminded me of when I would you know run to the living room, sit on the floor, and just watch these giant robots fight. And so as I'm watching it, I was completely captured by Minotaur. I had no idea how do you do that. And it just, it, it rushed my creativity to kick into high gear. So I would say throughout that summer, I was trying to think about what do I like about all these robots and what do I not like? And, um, and I was trying to choose a weight class, really didn't know where to go. And I finally found the beetle weight group. And I spoke to Alex from Valkyrie and he immediately gave me all the information. And in less than a month, I took all my favorite things about robots put into one robot and named it Shredder Bro. Wow. Um, all right. Can you, can you describe Shredder Bro to somebody who hasn't seen it before? And uh, kind of like, how, how did you design it? How did you figure out, you know, how to come up with such an effective design? All right. So I was looking at robots like Mono Bizarro, still taking notes from Minotaur, just a lot of robots that have been in the game, very similar in style. And uh, so Shredder Bro is an egg beater that has an, a UHMW body and an aluminum weapon with steel teeth that spins super fast. And uh, Shredder Bro's whole game is just to dig right the enemy. Even if the weapon goes down, I'm always trying to get in your face. Got it. Anthony, I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit more about Blackbird. So uh, three years ago, you, you built Blackbird. Um, you know, can you describe it? You know, um, talk about like your process of, of designing your, your first robot? Yeah, so um, obviously I didn't have a whole lot of time uh, with, with the kids and, and, and work, so I, I relied a little bit on uh, the Kinetic Kit. So I, I picked and chose some of the, the components um, from a kit from uh, a company called Robot Roundabout. Um, they're defunct now, and, and the Kinetic Kit has kind of changed hands a couple of times. Um, but when I fielded the robot the first time, it was, it was mostly Kinetic, uh, and then I went out, um, you know, did relatively well. I think I, you know, I went two and two or something. Um, and lost to Jameson Go, uh, which you know everybody in New England can in the Northeast can kind of uh, feel for that. <laughs> Jameson tends to, to knock us around a little bit up here, um, and he broke my robot to the point where I just couldn't. You know, I would have had to rebuild most of it. 
So uh, I went back to the drawing board a year or two later with my daughter, uh, kind of something we could do together. And I put in better components, I reinforced some stuff, um, kind of put some shock absorbers on motors that tend to get a little bit of flex when I hit, um, remapped the controls and brought, uh, and brought that robot back out um, to mass destruction where I met Evan uh, and ended up uh, taking second place. Evan took first, but we never got the pleasure of fighting each other. To this day, I still haven't fought Evan. And I'm sure that they're going to line that up in Norwalk so we can fight each other, I'm sure. Um, but I took some design cues from, I'm looking around and, you know, even things for me, like I can I can lighten some stuff, I can pocket some areas and reinforce some things, um, you know, add a little bit of weight to, to areas of armor, things like that. So I think you just, you adapt, right? Just like Evan kind of did his research and figured out what he could do to make his robot better. I think everybody does it in their own way. Um, so, you know, once I figured out different configurations for mine, you know, I, I had, uh, some, some D2 plows that I had cut up and made some, you know, some kind of wedgelets in the front, uh, depending if I fight, you know, a horizontal spinner, um, for verticals, you know, I've got a different configuration for that and everything's done. I, I looked at what Valkyrie does in some of the, the, the heavyweight teams at the time where they've got a spreadsheet and they know if they add this, this, and this, they have to get rid of this and they know exactly what your weight will be. So I just made a bunch of spares so I could do that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, I, I eventually I'm just going to run the robot until I can't buy off the shelf stuff anymore and can't modify it. And then I'll just build something brand new from scratch. But, um, you know, I did relatively well at the last Norwalk event. Uh, Evan and I were both at that event. Uh, and that's my first event back. And, you know, I, I cut through most of the losers bracket um, and had two judges, judges decisions. And uh, every match that I fought, I, I broke the other person's weapon every single time. And my weapon worked the entire way through. So, uh, you know, I think it's just you adapt to, to make your design as be the best it could possibly be until you kind of hit a ceiling and then you got to redesign. I mean, that's kind of how it goes. So, um, yeah, that's kind of my mindset. And obviously, I add a little bit of flair to mine. It looks like, you know, Blackbird. It looks like a stealth fighter. You know, that's kind of my thing. So, yeah, that's 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 where my beetle stands now. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I I love both of your stories because I feel like they're pretty inspiring. I feel like there's there's a lot of fans who watch the show, love the show, kind of like fall in love with robots and maybe maybe go to a live event. But like, it's a pretty big step to say like, hey, I'm gonna spend like a couple hundred bucks and start crossing like the East Coast, going to like multiple events and actually doing it. Um, so I, I think that's that's really cool, you know, kind of like the, uh, the tendency toward action, which is pretty great. I'm, I'm curious, you know, like from your experience on the Beetleweight circuit, like what what translates, if anything, to BattleBots? Um, is there, like, is, is it a one-to-one -one or did you feel like you learned a lot of things on the Beetleweight circuit, you know, and also learned like, brand new things at, at BattleBots itself. I feel like uh, BattleBots was very similar to Norwalk. Because Norwalk, they run, they run their schedule very tight, you know, because it's a production. And so, uh, you know, after competing at Norwalk so many times, you're kind of used to, you know, all the time cues you have to meet and everything. And uh, to be honest, working together in the pit with two people who predominantly work on a robot was awesome because I knew if I had to step away, he had it or vice versa. You know, so it, it really made it easy. A lot of things do translate. And the cool part is figuring out all the new things. Like, for instance, trying to make AR500 bend back to where it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not fun at all. <laughs> one thing one thing I can add to that, though, is that, that you know, Evan's, Evan's design of Shredded 
um, it, it was very much, and this isn't to, to, to uh, you know, to discredit the design, but he built something that's very familiar to both of us, right? Like Blackbird and Shredded Bro are very, very similar in how they're laid out. And, and, and Pain Train is a larger version, a hundred times bigger version of what we both use. So before, like not even knowing the robot or seeing it for the first time, I knew exactly where everything goes and what to do. It was very intuitive and, and that's a credit to Evan to be able to build something so simplistic um, that it's so destructive. <laughs> like it really is. And, and it was very easy for me to just go, all right, take a look at it and go, I know exactly what I need to do because this, this is very familiar to what I run and what Evan runs. It's just a much bigger tried and true version with bigger motors, bigger belts, you know, bigger everything. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I want to, I want to understand a little bit more about kind of the timeline. Cause uh, I, I heard it was a pretty, pretty big sprint to get the bot built. Um, so Evan, can you tell us more about um, how you applied to BattleBots, um, kind of how you got on the show and then the process of designing, you know, a heavyweight and, and building it? Right. So uh, I wrote Greg Munson uh, at the end of August, going into September, asking him, uh, you know, if there's any chance I could squeeze a robot in. And then he asked me for a CAD. And I told him, okay, I have one. I instantly had to come up with a CAD and a render to show him. <laughs> to the selection <laughs> committee to give a thumbs up. So it was totally, totally winged it. You know, didn't have anything to show him, just, you know, an idea. So then after that, that's when it, it kind of solidified when they gave the green light or wanted to, actually they had said, uh, can you add a little more detail? So we gave it a little more flair and they gave us a thumbs up and instantly we had, uh, at that point, we had less than a month to make it happen. So that's between, uh, you know, getting the parts, uh, you know, grinding them all out, making sure they're good, uh, putting it all together, testing it, and then having to drive it ourselves from New York City to California. Wow. So, so the, the turnout time is, it was actually quite fun. It was, uh, I've never slept for a month straight, so that was pretty awesome to experience. <laughs> Between the, you know, trying to get everything done and, you know, overlooking everything. And my big thing is the robot had to be invertible the same way Shredder Bro and Blackbird is, because there's no way that I'm going to go upside down and you're going to get me that way. So I had to take into account for a whole bunch of things in less than a month. And to be honest, it worked out. Even the last Noble stream, you could see me and one of my other teammates, Gennady, lifting up the robot frame and grinding it out a little bit to get it nice and snug. Wow, that's amazing. Um, so tell me tell me more about the design. Um, and we, we've got a bunch of listener questions, fan questions about the design. Um, so, you know, um, kind of in general, can you, can you describe the robot? Yeah. Um, tell me more about about his weapon and and how it works. Right, so I'm a I'm a big fan. I guess before I go into the robot, I'm a big fan of Kiss and Murphy's Law because you know anything that can go wrong can and will. So we made the the intention behind the robot was to make it very simple, similar to the Beetleweight, where everything is organized and set up the same way. And we actually designed the robot to be AR five hundred inside and out. So there was no way you were getting to this robot, even if you tried. <laughs> so going into the design, I knew I needed to keep it something similar, just so I knew I could drive invertible and keep the weapon spinning and hopefully do the same thing I do with Shredder Bro. So I'm upside down, I hit you, I'll just slow myself right back up, no problem. So I actually, anytime before a competition, I actually do practice driving upside down instead of flipping any, any controls at all. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess this this is like uh, probably the juiciest part of the interview. I'd love to hear any kind of details about the robot that's unreleased. If you can uh, talk about that, 
Um, you know, like size of your weapon, kind of like um, what types of motors you're running, um, you know, kind of anything unusual about design, anything that's new about the design um, that you want to share? So for the design of the robot, I decided to keep everything simple and be able to switch out parts with no problem between us and actually teams to me. I kept in mind, uh, you know, if we needed spares, vice versa, we could go to each other. So for my motors, I was running the same motors for weapon and drive system. And those are the Flip Sky 6384 brushless skateboard motors. And I got to admit, they really held up. I had no issues with them throughout the whole tournament. It, it was really promising. I got to admit, have, designing the robot to take all the hits really helped out. Tell us, tell us more about, about your weapon. It's pretty unconventional. You know, um, can you describe it? Tell us how heavy it is, how fast it spins, um, how you came up with the design for, for the weapon. Right, so the weapon is a 55 pound, I like to call it a beater drum hybrid because I took the best of what I like about the both of them and try to squeeze them together. And, uh, and I added ribs in the center just to add more strength. And that bad boy swims at 250 miles per hour and has such a nasty hum. <laughs> wow. Yeah, the first time I ever saw it actually was in the test box fired up and it literally made my hair stand on end. It was, it was scary, like really, really scary. Yeah, after um, when you went to go back in the test box to you know to turn off the robot, even though I knew everything was good, it's just that that heart racing moment. Like, oh, oh my god, this robot can do that. <laughs> my job was to go back in and disable that thing. So <laughs> lucky me. <laughs> but, you know, you go into the test box, you fire it up for a few minutes, and next thing you know, you have a giant crowd. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, uh, any, any other details you know about the, the robot? You know, the types of wheels that you're running. You know, is this belt drive, chain drive? You know, um, right. This robot is actually a little different. Most people go with chain drive, and we're actually going to a direct gear drive. It's straight gear to gear, and it's just as much torque as you could ask for, really. And it's it's super strong. Our wheels, we use uh, Rocky Mountain wheels. They're not the best. I gotta admit, I can't wait to. I would say I'm going to do something similar to Copperhead next year, and, and I might do a mold of custom tires. One thing that we didn't take into account, really, um, and, and one thing that people might not know about BattleBots, but I think the builders, if they're novice builders like us, first-timers, for rookies, you don't know this, but some of the other guys do, they definitely did change the floor this this year uh, on the on the big the main box and the fight box. The test box has a different floor. So we would go and test, and then we'd get out to the arena to fight, and we would find that we have so much torque and they have like a rhino liner almost like think of like a truck bed liner that that's on top of the panels that we had so much torque that we we're melting our tires because we were basically doing burnouts um, because we had so much torque uh, in our drivetrain, which we had to adjust for. Um, but it was, I mean, every aspect of that robot was so powerful, not just weapon, but drive as well. We we're not, we're not, we don't want to downplay that. Like it really was, so powerful that we didn't really know what to expect when we really got out there for the first time. So that's awesome, Anthony. I I want to I want to ask you more about um about your work on the team because I feel like it's like you handled all the stuff that's pretty hard for a lot of teams. You know, um, can can you talk about your role and um and like your your month sprint uh, your your oh, month yeah. sprint. Well, my, my sprint wasn't quite a month. Uh, <laughs> so Evan Evan very much was the the, the figurehead of this entire thing. He This is his baby, 100%. I'm just along for the ride here. So um, Evan and I obviously talked. We were, we were going to do the Norwalk back in March. Um, you know, we touched base. I'm like, hey, do you think it's going to happen? You know, what are we going to do? And obviously, we, we talked to each other during the shutdown. Um, I missed the event 
Evan went back to back and 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 won both events back to back. I didn't make it to that event. Um, my dad actually had heart surgery, so I couldn't I couldn't go down to the event. Um, so the the event that I went to uh, right before the event, I saw that Evan had posted up uh, pictures of Pain Train um, on his personal Facebook. So I sent him a message, and I'm like, "Hey, dude, is that like for real? Like, are you legitimately doing the battle bots?" He's like, "Yeah." I'm like. You know, I, I know this is kind of crazy, but I mean, if you need a hand, I'm, I'm happy to help. Um, I'll, I'll make it. I'll figure it out. And as just as quick as I said, he's like, yeah, absolutely. Like, if you want to come, we should do this. So uh, I hadn't really thought that far ahead and figured out how I was going to tell my wife. But I just said yes immediately. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I immediately just said, hey, what can I do to help you? You know, I think Norwalk was that upcoming a couple of days later. Evan could probably confirm that it was a couple of days after that. Um, and he's like, well, you know, come down and see the robot and we can kind of figure things out. So during the Norwalk event, if you watch that footage, you'll notice that Evan's, uh, you know, building, um, building paint train uh, and welding everything. And I'm kind of floating back and forth and we're kind of working out details. Um, but where he's building it down in, in New York and uh, Connecticut, kind of splitting his time with Norwalk and in, in, in New York building it. I'm up in Boston and I'm running my business and I've got, you know, a huge project that I just released. So. I just said to Evan, like, I will do anything I can. I can't physically get down there to work on the robot as much as I'd like to. What else can I do? You know, and he's like, well, you know, we need a lot of other stuff. We got, you know, sponsors that we got to deal with. And, you know, we need to figure out clothing and, and we have a GoFundMe. And I'm like, I will do all of that, whatever you need, whatever frees your hands up to focus on the robot. So I just started reaching out to all every contact that I have just through my other industry and my regular job. And. I was able to kind of pull together some of our merchandising and we did the logos and the graphics for the robot. And, um, you know, I handled a little bit of the correspondence with directly with BattleBots for getting them logos and things that they needed. Um, and I, I feel like, I hope that I, I, you know, I alleviate a little bit of the stress on that end for Evan um, to let him focus on, on what he was doing. I mean, this is what I do for my day to day, right? I mean, I, I just kind of utilize the guys that I use for paintball stuff um, for another industry. And now, you know, these guys are, some of these guys that I've worked with for 15 years and now sponsors for our team, which is amazing, you know? So uh, I try to do whatever I could uh, to support the team without physically going there to build the robot. So sponsorship is, is such an important part of BattleBots. And we we've talked to builders before who say like, I love building robots, but I hate calling sponsors. Uh, you know, like, do you, do you have tips for, um, for the, for the sponsorship side? Um, how were you able to get, uh, you know, a half dozen sponsors in just a couple of weeks? Well, I mean, Evan did a lot of the heavy lifting, especially when it came to the physical stuff to build the robot. So I'll let him kind of speak on that. Um, for, for my arm of it, at least, uh, I, I feel this way. And I think that Evan would agree hundred percent. I think a lot of, uh, a lot of the competitors that go to BattleBots, obviously the goal is to go and bring a robot and break other people's robots. Right. But. You, you need to be a character. So if you're thinking like wrestling, for example, nobody really remembers the Brooklyn Brawler and some of those jobbers that don't really have a name. They're just out there to lose, right? You remember Legion of Doom. You remember Hulk Hogan because they have branding. Um, so you need to have a niche. You need to have some sort of an angle that you work. And, and we kind of went after this really gritty New York kind of badass motorcycle gang, whatever type thing. And I think that that, identity branding yourself is huge i mean look at witch doctor you look at some of these other teams hypershock um that's why they they get the opportunities that they they get a little bit i think is that they they're definitely marketable we're not on radio we're on television here right so you need to you need to put on a show 
Um, so I think that that's, that's half of it. I mean, obviously the other half, which I had confidence in Evan to build a robot that kicks ass. So um, I tried to make us look like we're, we're kicking ass. Uh, that's, that's kind of my, my side of it. But, um, you know, I, I just try to make it as easy as possible for my, some of my sponsors and just said, listen, you know, we're going to be on television. You know, the better, you, the better you make us look, you know, the more of a chance we're going to be on there and get your name out there. That's how we got a lot of clothing done. Uh, our, you know, our graphics for the robot, obviously. Um, and I think Evan can speak a little bit more for the, the mechanical side of things. Um, obviously, we have Send Cut Send and Norwalk Havoc. Um, you know, New York Makerspace and uh, FingerTech. I mean, great sponsors that helped us out for the actual components. I think Evan can probably give a little bit more detail on that stuff, though. Uh, thankfully, SimCut Sends, they were able to take all the files that I sent them. And I would say within a week, week and a half, they had sent me everything. And then we immediately hit the ground running. And uh, FingerTech, they really helped us out because we definitely wanted to throw Shredder Bro in the arena this year. And uh, that, which, I, I mean, FingerTech, they're great. I mean, especially for people who've you know, been doing it for a while and, you know, new to getting in, they're awesome. And even the Staten Island Makerspace, we did the majority of the welding there. And uh, our sponsor, Scott, from the Staten Island Makerspace was so great. He just gave us so much of his personal time. It, it, it was amazing. It, it, I truly felt lucky to have uh, been able to pull off a robot frame within, you know, within a week and then keep hitting from there. And I would say a lot of the components came from McMaster for the robot because I wanted to be able to get everything on the fly. I wanted to have two robots up and running and never have to worry about anything, whether parts coming in or, you know, the, you know, kept it simple and watched out for Murphy's Law because I don't want to meet it. All right. Hey, guys. So uh, let's let's get into, you know, the BattleBots 2020 season. Uh, you know, I, Victor Dyson has a question that I know um, I would also love to hear about. Can you take us through, uh, you know, that emotional roller coaster of being confirmed for BattleBots 2020? What was it like when you got the call? Oh my, when I got the call that they gave me the green light, I jumped around my house for so long. And then I would say after a half hour, that's when the panic settled in. Like, wait a minute, we have a month to do this. Let's get to it. And uh, I would say I, I missed out on a lot of sleep in September. I can't remember what it was like. I actually didn't sleep till we got to BattleBots. I, you know, no more, no more than two hours each night. But, um, but it, it was just... It, it was so unreal, especially given the opportunity, it, you know, because in my mind, the worst they could say is no. So given the best answer, I, oh, man, it, it still feels unreal. I'm still unwinding from BattleBots, really. Can you tell us about some of your expectations about the season before you traveled to California? All right. Uh, I actually went in with no expectations because I feel like, we you know, when you expect something, things don't go your way. It changes your attitude. So I took I took BattleBots as I would surfing. I don't know what's out there. I don't know how it's going to go. But I'm just going to give it my all either way because no matter what, I mean, you got to ride. Yeah, was there anything, though, in particular you might have been worried about? Oh, yes. I would say uh, before we left to California, uh, we had about, you know, a day to, you know, test everything out, get it working. And um, I noticed that I had a slight wheelie problem, which uh, fastly at BattleBots we took care of because there was no way we were going to be wheeling all over I mean, we, we look like a motorcycle gang, but we don't want to do wheelies now. <laughs> yeah, I, I think for, for me at least, um, you know, I, I had such confidence in Evan and, and the build and our, you know, our ability to adjust on the fly. I wasn't all that worried about the mechanical side of the robot and competing. I think obviously with the, the COVID stuff going on and the restrictions at the event, I think that I was really walking on eggshells uh, for, you know, a week or two before um because obviously you know their their restrictions are very um are very stringent and that's great because we you know we got 
a lot. I mean, everybody that was there, cast, crew, anybody that was interacting with anybody on, on site were tested so much. And I got tested multiple times before I had gone. And I think the most, for me, because I, I didn't drive to the event, I flew to the event, and I wore two masks, you know, the whole way from Boston to Phoenix to Long Beach. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, and I just, I didn't want to, you know, you don't want to be that guy that inadvertently, without your knowledge, you test positive and then your team's booted from the event. You know, I didn't want to be that guy. So I think for me, I was more worried about doing something dumb or, you know, you don't want to go out and like, hey, I got to go to a bar and grab a beer. That's not happening. You know, you're, you're basically going to the event, you're going back to your hotel and you're back to the event. There's really no going out and doing any of that. It's just not worth risking, you know, all the hard work that went into it. So, I mean, you're there to do a job. Um, I wasn't I wasn't concerned with us our ability to do a job. I was worried about the unknown outside of it, you know. And I think that a lot of teams I think felt the same way. Um, we all kind of kept a tight circle. Um, you got to do it, you know, if you want to stay in the event. So yeah, like so even COVID aside, but also you know con- considering COVID, tell us about your experience when you're when you first went inside the building and what it was like working in there. Oh, oh <laughs> man. It- it was like uh, I went to to Disneyland for the first time two years ago, and uh, you know my, my whole life. And to be honest, walking into BattleBots that that giant hangar, that gave me so, like a better feeling. And I would say walking away from BattleBots was the hardest part because you got to see this place with all these creative people, and and you have all these people working hard in production and all the all these lights. And then next thing you know, it's all over and all the lights are gone. All the people are gone. All the creative minds are going home. It, so it, it is. Was a... <laughs> yeah. I, I think, you know, I think I could speak, you know, just like what Evan's saying. It, it is, if you haven't been to one of these events, like on, like going to the event and watching it from the crowd side is one thing. Seeing the scope of this production is staggering. It really is. Um, it, it's so massive, the amount of people there, the space, the tools, you know, all the facilities inside and out of the arena. It is it is a staggering amount of work. And to be there is very humbling. And, you know, to see some of these guys and, and girls uh, that you that you idolized and looked at and now they're your peers, that is such an amazing experience. And I think my, you know, I, I think I sat there when we first got there and I, I kind of went to the table, our table. I think I just had to sit there for 15 minutes and just process where I was and what was going on. You know, it really is a first timer there. Um, you know, it, it's a pretty, it's a pretty humbling thing. Absolutely. <laughs> Better than Disney. It is Disney. <laughs> was there anything that's like stood out to you uh, when, you know, when you were there and you're actually in the building that, that, that wasn't what you had expected? Hmm. To be honest, uh, everything beat my expectations. I, I went in with low expectations and I, I came out impressed. I mean, I would say what, what inspires me the most is everyone else's robot. Because without them, you know, I, I have nothing to, you know, to go against, to go right. after. So I would say just, you know, being able to see what you can, you know, while you're there, it, it was just, it, it's so unreal. You know, it kind of reminds you why you, why you started to begin with. Because these people who are going to be at the other end of that arena against you, it, you know, you get to build that relationship before and after. And even the people you don't get to fight, it, you know, it's just, uh, it's the one place that you actually get to fight people and it's a good thing. And you make a friendship out of it. <laughs> I, I actually think that for me, you know, obviously everything that Evan said clearly, but I think for me, what people don't see on television, and I really want to, to give these guys credit, the PAs that we met, the production assistants, um, 
they're really babysitters for grown men and women. And, and it's pretty crazy their ability to kind of usher you and, and, and shepherd you uh, along like, Hey, when are you guys going to be ready? Hey, what's your status right now? Hey, whatever you guys are this in line, we can get you into a match. Like, Pulling back the curtain a little bit, you know, uh, you know, production is is kind of a fluid thing, you know. And if you're you're a little bit more prepared than somebody else, they might be able to bump you in and get in matches sooner and things like that. Uh, and it's they're they're there, you know, like four days in a row, five days in a row, working all day. And and you know, they're just production assistants. You know, they they don't really get they're not going to get a credit, you know, at the end of whatever. But I mean, they they're some of the coolest people that I've ever met. I think Evan can vouch for that too. Um, and they would just hang out with us too. Like we're out charging batteries in the tents and like, they'll hang with us and just chat about life, you know? And, and it's, it's pretty, and they're, they feel vested with you. They want to see your robot. They'll, they'll meet you at the beginning of the day and they'll follow you through the whole process from you charging batteries, buttoning everything up, doing your tests, going out and fighting and they'll check in with you. Like, how'd you do? Why you guys did amazing or what, you know, stuff like that. Like I think, uh, the production crew just stellar and obviously all of our peers and the people that are there as well, uh, just amazing. So they made that experience all that much better for us. Yeah. Carly, John, and Lexi are listening. Thank you so much. And all the other PAs that were with us all the time. You guys are seriously awesome. We are saints. We're going to jump into a bunch of listener questions. We got some um, some great responses out there uh, from from across social media. And we'll start off with Jack Rabbit and Jack Move Driver. <laughs> That's my boy. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Drew Davis wants to know what makes your beetle shredded bro so unkillable and how can we kill it? Asking for a friend, and my friend is the entire Northeast combat robot scene. I also <laughs> wanted to be answer this as well. Evan, go ahead. Uh, you, you know, I never gave away the secret, but honestly, if you go for the pulley, you got me. That's all you have to do. Just go for the pulley. I have no weapon, but I do warn you, I do drive aggressively, and I will be in your face the whole time. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, that is a, that's a Northeast driver right there. <laughs> I think our, our motto at BattleBots, if people ask, like, what's your strategy? And our, I always told people, like, we're going to hit you first, we're going to hit you hard, and we're never going to hit you again, hopefully. That's it. <laughs> so We have another question from Pat Maloney who asks, what is the real challenge of going from a beetle weight at 250 pound uh, to a 250 pound heavyweight battle bot? Like, find it easier to build a heavyweight, especially with the team and the gaining of the financial support with your sponsors? I would say it's definitely easier building a beetle weight. It requires less resources, less uh, funding. But uh, to be honest, they're both just as equally rewarding. Uh, it, you know, it, it's, it's really about what you put in, where you get out. So I would say, to be honest, they're both a pleasure. I actually like the the heavyweights because you know you get to lug this big monster around, and I like the beaterweights because you know you know it's it's fun. You could do more of those competitions compared to battle bots. You know, it's every so often. So I would the say beetle uh, the, yeah. the beaterweights easier to lift. That's my yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say definitely on that, especially when it's going in and out of the test box or this and that. It's uh. Even if you got a hydraulic jack, you still got to get it on and off there. <laughs> All right, I got a question here from huge Captain Jonathan Schultz, who asks, building on a super short timeline always presents crazy and unexpected challenges. Were there any fun last-minute solutions? Yes, yes. Uh, John, by the way, I love you, man. You're man. And um, I would say the last-minute uh, problems that we had – you know, we didn't have much time to build a robot, and I got to test it the day before I drove it. 
So the last minute problem I had was a, a bit of a wheelie problem. Being that the robot has so much torque, every time when you push forward with or without the weapon driving, it was just popping right up. So uh, on the fly, we quickly had to make a wheelie bar to take care of that. So you, you, you'll, you'll see a bit of that in BattleBox this season. Ironically enough, we can thank Huge for that as well, because they let us use their tools to build that. So, Yes, uh, thanks to the whole Huge team for letting me destroy their bands when they fixed it. Thank you, guys. Brandon Stamper asks, why no scaled up Shredded Bro? <laughs> so the reason why I wasn't able to go with Shredder Bro is uh, it kind of conflicted with Captain Shredderator. So uh, I would have made a giant Shredder Bro, uh, absolutely. But uh, I also have to think about branding and everything else along the way. So I would say uh, that's the only reason why between branding. But I would say you'll keep your eyes open. You'll see another version of Shredder coming out very soon. We're going to be extending our team for the next uh, no walk season. So that's something to keep in mind. We're going to get into the 13, 12 pound game as well now. Yeah. Any other details that you could provide there? Uh, we're going to shred it, bro. That's it. And there also may be, there may be some of that 30 pound bleeding into the next battle bot season too, potentially. So. Yes. We have plenty of room to play with. Now, I think one, one thing about the design going into battle bot was leaving extra weight for mini bots and a few other things. So I, I definitely for next year, there's a lot of good plans. You know, you can only do these things, you know, after, you know, trial and error. So uh, there's going to be some interesting things we got in the works for the team this year and next year. I got a question here from James B who asks, how did you balance the beater? Can you explain the process you used, please? Uh, yeah. So everything was done in, uh, in cap programming. So to be honest, uh, going into it, you know, everything on computer seems a lot better. It's just executing it properly and making sure, you know, when you do the physical real-world application, that works. And uh, I feel like we got lucky enough where we designed it good enough that in real-world NCAD, it, you know, it, it was smooth. There was no issues, it, you know, going into it. It was actually, it came out better than I thought it would. Yeah, the bar, the bar looked good. It, it performed great. Um, and we definitely wanted to have just like Shredded has and just like Blackbird has and a lot of other beetleways that have a lot of success, we want a really flat, hard, long edge to catch. Um, that, that was the main goal, was to inflict as much damage as possible with a flat, a flat edge um, at the highest speed we possibly could achieve. So I think that it, it, it checked all the boxes. I think that Evan created you know, a, a next-generation style drum um, that really inflicted an in, insane amount of damage. That is so exciting. I can't wait to see it. Uh, the next question here is from Bloodsport teammate Seth Schaefer, who asks, what inspired the very unusual shape for the weapon on Pain Train? And is it something you want to try again in the future? Uh, so what inspired it was uh, I was trying to take what I could from Shredder and, you know, try to create something that's a little bit new. So I try to do something between a beater and a drum hybrid, and that's how I got that, you know, somewhat created. And I also added ribs to the midsection just to reinforce everything. So that thing was a beast inside and out. So Hypershock teammate Ty Little asks, if it ends up on its side, will it do the thing? Oh, it definitely will do the thing. And, um, and that's something, I'm, you know, going forward for next year. I could take care of. I know if it ends up on its side, if I, you know, turn the weapon down and shoot it back up, you know, it could fall over. But yes, it could definitely do the thing. That is the most definite. I would, I would add on to that. Any robot is capable of doing the thing under the correct circumstances. So, 
That's true. That's very true. Um, so Gareth Jones asks, did you get the team name Shredit from the fact you use spinners or your fondness for surfing? Oh, wow. to be honest, um, Shredit really came from just doing, I guess, like different types of shredding between surfing, longboarding. And uh, I used to play in a whole bunch of bands. So I mean, between guitar, you know, I'm a big fan of shredding. So any which way I could shred, I will. Except fat. I love to store that stuff. um so the shuncast co-host dale bruce asks you hope that there will be a training training montage before your first fight airs yes that's great we will definitely do some training. <laughs> yeah, there, 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 may, there may or may not be some uh, some stuff we have to do prior to the uh, the airing. So there may be. You never know. Ooh. So, may, we're not trying to give away hints, but there might be some videos and pitches coming out this week with the whole team. We'll see. Ooh, I won't press you too hard on that because I'm sure it has to be a secret. But I am very, very intrigued. <laughs> Uh, so Nelly, the Ellibot weapons operator, Rara Granger asks, if Pain Train was a real train, what would be its cargo? She follows up with hard-hitting questions, gang. <laughs> Rara, thank you so much. And uh, I would say it carries its enemies. That's its only passengers. It's dead enemies. Oh, right to the junkyard. I would, I would say horse head masks is what it would carry. <laughs> oh yeah, that 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 that's precious cargo. Fourth <laughs> head forever. <laughs> Jake Mercus asks, "Are there any brakes on the pain train?" No, the pain train is a uh, fun fact. We actually have stickers. The pain train has no brakes. Yes, we did not add that feature in. No brakes. <laughs> 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 Sounds like a regular subway car then. <laughs> Scorpio's captain Diana Tarleton asks, "What is the pain train's final destination?" I'll say uh, it's going to be the junkyard, so it can drop off all the robots and it goes back out to the arena. I would say the giant nut would be the mm. destination. Also, she is a lovely person. The entire Scorpio's team, but she stopped by the table. I think she's one of the first people to stop by. And check in with us and just said welcome to BattleBots type thing. And she's a, she's awesome, by the way. So I just want to give her a huge shout out because she was very nice to the whole event. Right, she's, she's great. Yeah. Um, I, I unfortunately was not. We, we interviewed her and Zach uh, on an earlier episode. And unfortunately, I wasn't, I wasn't on that one. And I'm really sad because I've just heard the loveliest things about her. So, Diana, you rock. <laughs> Without uh, adding without adding any spoilers to the season, I, I will say they're going to be very exciting to watch this year. Very exciting. Ooh. All right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Nelly, the Elliebutt captain, Sarah Mollian, asks, what platform do I need to catch this train on? <laughs> Nine and eight sevenths. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. Uh, and then we have one question here, one final question from Clepton Gilroy, who asks, can you blink twice to confirm that Rusty did indeed win the giant nut? I don't know we, if he can hear me blinking, but I hope he got the answer. Yeah, we're, we're not at liberty to talk about those things. I will say, though, people are like, you know, is Rusty, you know, maybe it's just magic and television magic and pictures. Is he that cool? 
yeah, he's that cool and more. Rusty is one of the, the, the coolest robots I've ever seen. And I've and never met that, a robot that I want to hug. Yeah. <laughs> a, really, a really cool thing. And I don't, again, I'm trying to avoid spoilers here and things like that. But the teams that Rusty ended up going against and, and other teams that he didn't go against, he's a one-man team. So, you know, if, if he wow. went into battle and got some battle scars, you know, the teams that he competed against and other teams would kind of, help him along and, and help repair the robot they potentially just did damage to, which was a really cool thing to see is that everybody really, they want to protect that boy. That's the meme, right? It's protect the boy. Everybody protect did protect that boy. That boy. It, 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 honestly, it was such a cool, a cool story and it, to be a rookie alongside somebody like that was really, really neat. So yeah, it, it oh, was, yeah. that's, yeah, he's, he's a really cool dude. Really, all I of the rookies that that we have been watching this season that are competing, like it just seems like such a, a great group with bots that are really out of the box and fun and unique. And I'm just so excited. I mean, all the usuals I'm excited to see, but I'm I'm so excited for for bots like Pain Train and, and all the other rookies. I was gonna say this year. I I mean, you know, it was my first battle box, but all the rookies are super awesome, especially uh, Jackpot. All those dudes that. Those hundred oh, yeah. rookie teams are really great. I mean, I, I couldn't have asked for a, you know a better time to get into the sport. Yeah, I, I think the jackpot is one of those teams that they actually I think had I, I think that they had a shorter window than us. I think they were expected after. Um, no, we were after them. Yeah, oh, we were after them. They they yeah. had a very small window just like us and Shay and the rest of the people on that team. Um, they are an amazing group of people. Obviously, the Vegas Combat Robotics, you know, VCR. Um, those guys are phenomenal, and I think they made the experience that much better for us, too, because they were staged right next to us, and it was really cool to have a first-time experience with another first-time experience you know, team. So that was that really made it all that better for us as well, I think. That's awesome. I mean, I just I love the community so much, and I'm glad that you both had a, a great experience in your first go. It has been so wonderful talking to the two of you. Um, just delightful. And I'm so, again, just so excited to see, you know, your bot in the battle box. Uh, you know, in the past we've said hopefully again soon, but, you know, now we have a date and the date is only like a month away. So we can't wait to see you guys. Wow, <laughs> After the break, we'll return with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. Welcome back from the break. Time for Robots Around the World. This week, we're traveling to the happiest place on Earth, where engineers at Disney's research arm have created an animatronic human head that mimics subtle human eye movements. The researchers write, quote, People who make more eye contact with us are perceived to be similar to us, as well as more intelligent, conscientious, sincere, and trustworthy. Furthermore, Gaze also appears to convey complex social and emotional states. The researchers hope to eventually build robots that look and feel more human. Creepy. Super creepy. Did you watch the video about this? This is, um, <laughs> okay, so they, they have a video and um, it is an animatronic head and it has no skin and the eyes are just incredibly lifelike and <laughs> It's a. Uh, it's stuck in this kind of like uh, this death grin, you know, um, and uh, I, I don't know. It's like it's it's pretty amazing how. I, I guess I just I never really thought about um, the kind of micro movements that somebody makes with their eyes when they're reading a page or when they're kind of thinking about something or when they kind of look up and they 
lock eyes with you. Um, it is, uh, it's unnerving, like how close to human like this, uh, this animatronic head looks. <laughs> I mean, for, for people that are working specifically with robotic eyes, you'd think that they would do a better job of optics. This thing is like a deep-fleshed, like, bone robot that's just, it's ready to now process you into matter in which it can it can drive its engine. You know what I, would make it slightly better is if it wasn't wearing the shirt. The shirt, like, makes it just <laughs> seem like it's, it's actually trying to be human, you know? Like, if it was just, like, robot parts under there, it'd be like, oh, okay, this is an experiment. But with the shirt on, it's like, whoa, you're trying to fool me, and I do not appreciate it. Well, I, Kyle, Disney's a family company. Of course the robot's going to be wearing a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, of course. Uh, you know, there, there's a Botabots tie-in to this, obviously. Uh, Bite Force Captain Paul Ventimiglia, a huge fan of animatronics as a kid. Um, one of the things that really inspired him to get into engineering. And we learned also on this show that uh, Matt Spurk, who was a, uh, a former... Disney engineer. Um, his family works on the animatronics at, uh, at Disney World, which is really cool. Um, so yeah, Disney animatronics, robots. Uh, what is there not to love about this story? Uh, the robot itself, because it's terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Someday you're going to go into the Hall of Presidents and it's just going to look uh, <laughs> way too realistic. I mean, have you guys ever seen Westworld? Yeah. Oh my God, love with what love love love. Yeah, that that's the that's the movie from the seventies, right? <laughs> no, it's a television series on HBO. It it was a comic book series before that. I don't believe it was ever a, a show in the seventies, was it? Um, but no, the, this feels like it's one step towards Westworld. Like you, you get the realistic eye movements in there. Next thing you know, you get the realistic mouth movements, and then the realistic dialogue, and then you know they take over the world. That tracks, yeah. Yeah. Boom, dropped in the chat. Westworld, 1973. <laughs> Watch the trailer. I will, now that you mention it. That's amazing. It's a good one. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was one of the first like genre-bending movies. Interesting. Okay. Is it a Western? Is it a sci-fi? Is it a killer robots movie? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Well, that's about it for us today. We'll be back in your feed next week with another mystery guest. We'll see you then, folks. Bye. Bye.